Okay, good morning, everybody. It's Tony Fleming. This is our 8 a.m. book club call. We do this call every Saturday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern. And on this particular call, we talk about a particular book. We call it the book of the moment, not the book of the month, because a lot of times we go over that month. So we keep going. We don't just do the 30 days. We'll do 35, maybe do 40. Uh, but we're going to finish the book and we're going to talk about it also during that process. And the book is called John C. Maxwell, The Five Levels of Leadership. The Five Levels of Leadership. I've read this book a few times in our book club over the years. I think we did it once. We've uh, read this book once. But, you know, I still remember what Charlie Tremendous Jones would say all the time. The late, great Charlie Tremendous Jones, he would say, Tony Fleming. <laughs> That's how he would say it. Tony Fleming. <laughs> then he'll say, you're a book evangelist. You're a book evangelist. Now, you got to understand, I was probably 10 years in now. So I don't know what you call me now because, you know, we've been deeper and deeper into books. But he would say, as a book evangelist, I must ask you, what is that? What are you rereading? He says, not what you're reading. What are you rereading? He said, because what you reread, that's what you really get in your system. Then you reread it again. He said, because a lot of times things go right past us because we have so much other things in our mind that we don't grab the stuff. And we miss it. It's almost like um, I give the example or the analogy of you ever seen on the on a uh, major news story where they say we we captured 200 kilos on the yacht or the boat called the Pancake Queen or something. They'll, they'll be out there and they have the cameras on the Pancake Queen and they taking all the kilos off and they got people handcuffed and one of the biggest cases that we've had in years. And we excited about it because we got hundred keys or 200 keys from the pancake, from the pancake queen. But little do you know, and you probably could see it on camera if you're not, cause you're not thinking about it cause you're concerned about the pancake queen. There's another boat in the background that's just cruising right on by maybe called the strawberry cake or something. They probably got 500 keys on it. And we missed that one, meaning the Coast Guard. We missed that one because we were highlighting this one and taking pictures of this one. And, you know, it's like, man. But when you go back and look at it again, oh, man, I miss, we missed this. Do you see the strawberry queen going by? You say, yeah, what they got to do with this book, Tony? Well, when we reread the page that got us excited, the page after that might have been, <laughs> might have been the, the real deal. But we missed that next page because we're so excited about what we read. Then we got it highlighted. I always go back. When I go back and reread and I look at the next page and I read that and it's like, boom. And I say to myself, why didn't I highlight the next page? Because I was so infatuated with the one that we were talking about. 
I mean, it, it just had me so much that the other one got away. That's why you should read. I mean, reread. Because when you reread, you're going to look at some of the stuff that you missed. And you're going to be like, wow, how did I miss that? Because you were so focused on this. And that's how the Coast Guard missed the other boat that goes by just as cruising right on long. And they got 500 kilos in there. Dang. Yep. That's how the mind thinks. That's how we operate. Uh, so Charlie Tremendous Jones told me that one. Now, why do we read books? Because we need to change the paradigm. We need to have a paradigm shift because of how we grew up, the communities we grew up in, the things that were said in those communities. Most of us grew up in a poor or middle class, which I call upper middle class. Upper poor is the middle class. And the words that were said, the thoughts that were that were there, the things that we picked up were not words of financial success and not words that will take you to that to those levels. Because if they were, then those neighborhoods wouldn't be called poor or middle class. It would be wealthy neighborhoods because you got to understand the words are so powerful. Your words create your life. If you go back and look at the words we've used over the years, you understand it's creation, it creates your life. From the womb to age seven, give me the man. No, give me the child and I'll show you the man. I just got to figure out who made that quote. But the things that were heard at that time, those things that were programmed in us at that time, that's the theta phase. They still there unless you go in there and deprogram those thoughts and reprogram them. You say, well, how you do that? Well, through books, through audios, through new environments, and staying away from old environments. All those things we discuss here on the book club. Yes, we do. And you need to stay plugged in because you could miss. It could be one little thing said that you could miss. And you missed it. And you might not hear for another six months or another year, or you might miss it for a while. That's why you want to stay plugged in at all times. So if you stay plugged in, you know right about now that we usually do this. Warren Buffett once said, the more you learn, the more you earn. Warren Buffett. One of the wealthiest humans on the planet is famous for reading more than five hours every day. Bill Gates reads one book per week. Mark Cuban, three hours a day. Oprah, well, she's just obsessed with books. Notice a common theme here? Successful people never stop learning. You're trying to get your freedom. You're trying to learn how to read. You're trying to escape. Uh-uh. It's Saturday and it's 8 a.m., folks. It's that time. Time for the 8 a.m. blog talk book club. Let's go, folks. It's time to stimulate the mind. Time to hear thought-provoking words. When we read, your imagination improves. You become smarter. It reduces the stress. Yes, that's right. It reduces the stress. Let's go, folks.
All right. We're going to pick up at um, level one position. The level one position. We're gonna we were gonna talk about that last week, and I got sidetracked on something. Somebody just sent me the quote. Give me a child until he is seven, and I will show you the man. That sentence is famous, it's a famous saying and is attributed to Saint Ignatius Loyola and also to Aristotle. Saint Ignatius Loyola. There's a high school in Chicago called St. Ignatius. I wonder, is it called Loyola too? But there's a college in New Orleans called Loyola. I wonder, is it called St. Ignatius also? <laughs> and it's also uh, Aristotle. Now, I'm sure it may be an Aristotle college, but I do know Aristotle Kirkland. <laughs> he's he's close friend. Some say it is a... Now I never I never could say this right because I don't know how people quote this. Is it Hesu? I don't know how because sometimes people say other things, but I think it's the Hesu saying. Is it Hesu? Y'all correct me. I'm sure you will quickly correct me when I'm wrong. Now when I'm right, <laughs> what? A, what I'm right is like I don't hear any, I don't hear anything when I'm right, but when I'm wrong, my text is blowing up. So my text is not blowing up right now. So let's see. I must not be wrong then. I'm waiting on, I'm waiting on it. Somebody tell me whether I'm right or wrong. Is that how you pronounce it? And I want to say the person I heard say that quote, gave the credit to I said, hey, Sue. Nobody's corrected me yet. You probably don't know. Let me see. Spell what you are pronouncing. Okay. Oh, yeah. The, the correction, the police <laughs> social media police says, spell what I'm pronouncing. It's it's spelled J-E-S-U-I-T. Is it Jesus or is it Jesus? <laughs> Which one is it? Come on, come on, grammar police. Would you trying to Google it yourself? Let me hear the sound. You know, you can go to YouTube and do that, don't you? Go to YouTube, put spell the word and say... We, I, I'm surprised this morning we only have one grammar pol police that's live. And she's a little twisted. So it's pronounced Jesuit. Was it Jesuit? Jesuit. I think, yes. That's what it is, grammar police. Boy, you're brilliant. Let's see. Somebody else is saying, oh, they got a sound for me. Let's see here. Hold on. Let's see the sound. Play the sound. Hold on. My volume down. Hold on. Jesuit or Jesuit. Oh, Jesuit. 
Jesuit or Jesuit. Say it again. Jesuit or Jesuit. Oh, Jesuit. Jesuit or Jesuit. Okay. Not Hesu. <laughs> I was close. I don't know. I was very close. The Jesuits. Now I remember him saying it. Matter of fact, it was um uh the doctor, not Dr. Uh, not Joe Dispenser, but the other doctor. He said that. He said the Jesuits were were known for this quote. The Jesuits. Give me a child until he is seven, and I will show you the man. So what, what the Jesuits are saying is that theta stage of learning cuts off at seven. Now, you still can learn. <clears throat> you still get more information because you're getting the same stuff over and over. But the programming of it, the theta phase ends around that time to where the brain is a clean slate and everything is programmed on it, it believes. But if you continue to hear the same thing over and over and over, you're still going to believe it even more. But um, what the Jesuits are saying, even if you you didn't, if you stopped at seven and you change your life and start living another way, you still are not programmed the other way. You are programmed with those first zero or the wound to age seven, uh, what you heard. That's how we learn the laws of the land. Because there's so many laws, but we learn through being in the environment and visualizing it. What do you mean? Well, crawling on the floor right next to mommy or crawling on the floor right next to daddy or what I heard in the womb, or, you know, this lady had a little joke out there, but it was not really a joke to me because she was really hitting home that her baby was crying at two years old. It wouldn't stop crying. And, he, and the lady said, you need to give him a cigarette. That's what he's crying for because when he was in the womb, that's all he could feel and smell, you smoking cigarettes. And his first year out of the womb, crawling around on the floor, or you picking him up, you got a cigarette in your hand. That's what he's crying for because you're not smoking that cigarette right now, and he's trying to get it. Now, I know some people said, oh, no, that's not true, or that's not funny, that's not... Well, it's very close to being the reality. Very close. What did you hear at one year old, at two years? What did you hear when you were, you know, I don't know, going to kindergarten and, you know, the before y'all got in the car? What kind of words did you hear from your mother and father if they both were there in the home? Were they arguing? Were they talking about money? Or if the father went there or just or the mother went there? What did you hear? What did you hear at school? What did you hear from your coworkers? That's when we got programmed. That's when the law of the land was learned because we learn by visualization, watching, and we learn by hearing. That's it. So in order to uh, deprogram that in program, we got to do almost the same thing. The only challenge is the theta phase is late at night for us. 
the theta phase at that time when we were learning was from zero to seven. So when the doc talks about that, you need to uh, at night, like I did last night, you know, do your affirmations and then, you know, take a recording, put it right by your bed, right by your ears and let it play. And you might think you didn't hear anything. You might have started off listening to it. And like, you know, you can find stuff on YouTube for three, four, five, six hours of recording. You can put it down right there. I know they got some pillows that have speakers in it. So when you land down, you can actually hear it. That's the theta phase. That's when you kind of dozing off. That's when you learn the most because there's nothing blocking that. There's no kind of argument in the thoughts. Because the thoughts are like, man, I ain't got time to be. <laughs> I'll get with you in the morning. I'll get with you. In the... Right now, I'm about to rest because we've been, we've been thinking and arguing all day. And the theta phase is like, okay, cool. So now let's feed it. You the greatest. Let's feed it. Man. You a millionaire, multi-millionaire. Let's feed it. It's all good. <laughs> Not all bad. It's all good. Let's feed it. People follow me because um, I'm a leader. Let's feed it. I'm trustworthy. I'm the man. And you feed it like that, and it's low-key. You don't even hardly hear it because you, you're dozing off. You're in that theta, theta phase, and that thing just it's coming in and coming in, and you getting it. And you start talking the next day and the day after that. You don't even know where it, where it came from. You're, like, you're trying to figure out, now, where did this come from? From the time when you, you go to sleep at night and you have, you know, I got, a, I got somebody who, who used to that. Now, <laughs> it was strange to them in the beginning, but they know that even sometimes I have to put headsets on to fall asleep. But when I do, I'm still in that theta. And the truth is this. Guess what? I got off track with that, but I'm back on track again. What's it saying? Back in stride again. Got off track with it. You know how you can easily get busy you can easily start making excuses i like how that little clip if y'all didn't hear that that i put in the um in the top of lifestyle with uh with uh billy osbrook that said your mouth is not used for excuses your mouth is used to create the future that ain't what the mouth was for, not to create, not to say excuses. You know, that ain't what you're supposed to be using it for. You're supposed to use it to create the future, the success. Matter of fact, let me see, do I have that? Because I don't know, I can't remember which one it was, but I think I got that. I think I have that clip. Your mouth is the creative weapon. It's not a tool for distributing excuses. The first sign of a loser is an excuse. Champions take full responsibility, good or bad, for their outcome. Tell the world one time 
what you're going to do. And that's it. Spend less time talking and more time grinding. Think like a champion. Speak like a champion. And then walk it out. Grind. One, twenty, all day, every day. Stop making excuses. Champions make adjustments, not excuses. Every time you justify being average, you invite in the enemy. Mediocrity is a dream killer. Your coach, your trainer, your teacher, your boss is not the problem. It's your consistency. You got to make a decision. How bad do you want it? Average is on the left. Success is on the right. You got to choose which one you want. A champion's workout doesn't officially begin until pain arrives. You see, greatness is right on the other side of pain. So what are you running from it for? You say you want to be successful, then push through it. Stop making excuses and go get it. Very few battles are won under ideal circumstances. So you got to simulate and practice the unknown so that the unexpected will not derail you. Every morning when you get up, ask yourself, how can I put myself in a place where I'll be uncomfortable? See, you have to master the unknown. You got to master your fears. You got to master the unexpected. So when it happens, you are prepared. Champions can push through and keep going when everyone else around them is quitting. They have immersed themselves in pain so often that they have become immune to it. Greatness is on the other side of pain. Go get it! The more you expose yourself to pain, the more comfortable you will become in its presence. A champion's workout doesn't officially start until pain arrives. Everything else is just a warm-up. A boxer can be the best technician in the world. But if he gets in the ring and the first time he gets hit, he falls apart. He's not going to be a champion, I tell you that. See, in life, it's just like that with us. We're good until we get hit in the face. But what separates champions from the rest is when they get hit, they keep coming. When you hit them a second time, they get stronger. And by that third time that life hits you and you're still standing, the world will know there's a champion in the ring. How bad do you want to be successful? Do you want it bad enough to get hit in the face? Because I tell you right now, that's what life's going to do to you. It's going to hit you when you least expect it. When you got your guard down, how will you respond? Refuse to let the world break you. Show life. What a champion looks like. I'm Billy Osbrooks, blessed and unstoppable. All right, let's talk about level one position. Position is the lowest key of leadership. The entry level. The only influence a position leader has is that which comes with the job title. People follow because they have to. Position leadership is based on rights granted by the position and title. Nothing is wrong with having a leadership position. Everything is wrong with using position to get people to follow. Position is a poor substitute for influence. I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but the, the, the few years I was in corporate America and the few years I was at AT&T, about five, 
what I noticed about them was that the people who got promoted, they got promoted based on tenure. And the positions that were taken were based on what's, what was available. Now, listen to me. Here, this, hear me out on this one. <laughs> so if I've been a tech for years, installing the equipment, you know, the phone systems, things of that sort, I have tenure now. I'm 20 years in. A position comes open that pays me maybe $25,000 more. I want that position. That position might be, which I saw twice in my five years, sales manager over the, the phone equipment. Guess who got the sales manager position? The person with the tenure. The person who had more years there. So here comes Joe Blow, the best installer in the world, the best the guy knows how to install any piece of equipment. He puts his name in the hat for sales manager. <laughs> Did you hear me? He put his name in the hat for sales manager. And he gets it because he has more tenure. Has he ever sold anything? Not that I know of. He was good at installing. I would call that a position leader in my mind.